Full Court Fits is The Ringer's new weekly NBA video series hosted by Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozni Lambre. Each week, we take you around the world of NBA fashion and share can't-miss style choices from your favorite players and keep you up to date on the latest news and releases in sneaker culture. Waz also talks to experts like Damian Lillard's personal stylists to give you behind-the-scenes looks at how the NBA's biggest stars choose their outfits. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed to The Ringer's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer so you never miss an episode. It's The Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out Live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Poppin, <laughs> Logan Murdoch here, Sasha Mack on the boards, Jomi, Jomi in a bit. Um, we got Raja Bell, second straight, second straight episode. Raja, are you in mourning right now? How are you feeling? We are talking the morning after the Bucks are the champs over beating the Phoenix Suns in six games. Honestly, messing up both of our initial predictions for the series because we both had the Suns in six. I repositioned and said Bucks in six after I went to Milwaukee and just drank the Kool-Aid and just just fed into all the propaganda. Yeah. But by and large, our pick were the Suns. How do you feel right now as a Suns fan, a Suns uh, luminary? How do you feel right now on the other side of this before we get to the Bucks? Uh, you know, it's it's tough. Here's... Here- Logan, do you remember how much shit I caught when I said the Suns were pretenders? We? No, you mean we caught? We. Not just okay, you. Yeah. We caught. No, yes, but I, the vitriol was 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 more towards me. You got the headline. Sun, you did get the right? headline. Having yeah, been a Sun. Yeah. So it made it impossible then for me to pick against the Suns ever, right? Like, I, didn't, I was afraid to do that, keeping it a buck. Um, I did think the Suns were the hotter team coming in, though. They had played great. Uh, and I was disappointed they didn't win last night. Uh, I, I, there's a part of me that feels like Getting to the finals this year was a win. Whenever you get there, you want to win it. But, you know, if you had started the season and 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 said the Suns were going to be in the finals, most people in Phoenix would be like, what, sign me up. You know what I mean? And so I got mixed emotions about that. I, I wanted to see them win. Uh, but 
I've also been a Bucks fan and a Giannis fan for a long time. Like they've been my team for the last couple of years. Um, and so, you know, while while the Suns lost and that sucked, I was happy to see Giannis put some of the naysayers, you know, uh, to rest, so to speak, by getting the chip. And and they were great games, which as a fan, that's what I'm looking for, you know. And as an analyst, I'm looking for good games with storylines and 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 big point swings. And so I got all of that. So I'm cool. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Suns a bit later, but we had um, to check out. We had Mirren, our own Mirren Fader talk about Giannis. So check out that on the next segment. But I was I watched the game last night. I was I was at a, I was in Oakland watching the game, and there was a lot of Bucks fans actually um, at the at the, where we were at. And but one of the things that I, I really just took away from that is just. Giannis is a champ. Giannis Adetokounmpo is a champ. And we already know the slander that he has gotten over the last few years. Some warranted, some not necessarily warranted. But let me put, let me give you, you're a numbers guy, Roz. Let me, let me throw some numbers your way for this, for his stats on the, on the um, series. 35.2 points, 13.2 rebounds, 62% from the field. And and he had 50 in a closeout game at home. And a game that was in the balance for most of the time. He was I know that we the Shaq thing, the Shaq comparison is a bit eh. But the man was like carrying dudes on his back and still making shots. He was incredible last night. What did you see from Giannis in the series and what did you see from him in the uh in game 6? Well, in the series overall, I mean, he just you know, he dominated on both sides of the ball. You know, you know, he did what top three players in the leagues are supposed to do. They're supposed to have, you know, that type of impact both offensively and defensively, right? Like that game's not just played scoring the ball. And I've had this conversation about other players before. Like a lot of people can score. Can you hold it down, you know, in other areas of the game to get your team over the hump? And I thought Giannis at times in this series was able to kind of chill offensively when when other people were cooking and you know facilitate and just defend and board and all of that and then when the time called for it like last night third quarter say yo get on my back here we go and you know he just dominated like that last night might have been his best performance you know I, admittedly I haven't I haven't seen every Giannis game so I can't say unequivocally that it's this best but in a game that mattered the most on the biggest stage with the brightest lights, a 50 ball with 13 and six with 16 for 17 or whatever it was from the free throw. I like, I mean, 17 of 19 from the free throw, line, whatever yes. it was. I mean, it could have been his best performance. And when you, you talk about just putting it all together, the defense, the shot making, the, the, you know, the different type of shots that he was able to finish around the room. Like it was a lot of cool stuff to see from somebody who basically just told you like, it, you better consider me the best player in the game right now. Like we can have a debate, but don't leave me out. Listen, this is how good Giannis was. Drew Holiday was four of nineteen from the field. Right. Chris Middleton, as we texted back and forth, had his struggles in Game Six. It didn't fucking matter. Giannis was at every loose ball. He had every. He made every single play down the stretch. We, they counted him down all playoffs long about his free throws. He said, "Don't even trip." I got. I'm gonna I'm make. I'm gonna make 17 of 19. Okay, shut up. Please shut up. I'm yeah. the man. And it was. I would agree with you in that it's his best performance. 
But you can make the argument it might not be his best performance. It is the career-defining performance of his. It's the defining performance of his career thus far, on, and the defining series of his career because he had this great game. Then we're forgetting about the block in game game three, right? You're thinking it like he carried the dunk this team. in game five. The dunk in the game break. five. Like it's just come on, man. It was just. It was just. And remember, this guy hurt his knee two weeks ago in a in a way that we didn't think he was going to be back. That's the crazy thing, right? Like this, that cat looked like he tore every ligament in his leg two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, yes. I watch a lot of basketball. I've been a, you know, NBA fan from the time I was probably eight years this old. This is I your mean, life. I, yes. This you, is what you, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, 50 balls in closeout games of the finals. I don't remember having seen one. I don't, I don't remember. I know they probably exist, but I don't remember seeing one. Yeah. Yeah, particularly though, I think that for this team and this type of year, they needed this type of performance from Giannis because even after this, and I, I, I obviously yield the floor to you, it didn't look like the two best teams in the league were playing, right? Like it didn't like as far as depth are we're playing against each other. As far as depth on the Suns, um, we saw that with Aiden getting into foul trouble. Also, shout out Frank Kaminsky for giving like real minutes in an NBA Finals yeah, game. I didn't, I wasn't bad, expecting Frank. that. Our bad, our bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you shut us the fuck up. But anyway, um, I didn't get the sense of that, and also the Bucks. I got the sense that Giannis needed to be this for them to have a chance. He needed to take a next level approach. Now, I don't know if this is going to happen next year. I don't know if it's, I don't know if he could do this next year and beyond, or I don't know. But for this particular year and this particular series, they needed this Giannis from, they needed this Giannis in order to win a title. What, why, why was, why do you feel like he was so effective against this Suns team, Raja? Um, first of all, um, Giannis is going to be doing this. Let's get that straight. He's not going anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. He's only going to get better. He's 26 years old. He's going to continue to he's going to continue to add stuff to his bag. So let's get that straight. Um, why he was so dominant against the Suns? Well, I mean, he he dominated everybody. I mean, he it's what he does, Logan. Like he's a two time MVP. It's what he does. But he was able to be as effective as he was against the Suns because of their lack of size and and his ability to just will and bully his way to buckets, not taking anything away from his brilliance offensively on the floor and the way he's able to assist. And, and he, like, he's great, but they just weren't big enough. They didn't have enough. And I, this is what I find interesting. In a day and age where we don't have any bigs and bigs don't want to be bigs and we're going to all shoot threes. Like, the, you know what the last three teams that won championships – you know what they were? Who were they, Roger? Speak on Big it. as shit. They were big. <laughs> they were bullies. Honestly? Like they, they were physical. They, okay, were, let's they let, get let's to the free throw line. There's a let's reason. That's down. tried and true shit. Let's run it down real quick. Because you're on to something. Who won it this year? The Bucks. Huge team. Who won it last year? The, the Lakers. Fucking Lakers. Huge team, right? The, the Before that, the Raptors. The Raptors. They're a big-ass team. Big team. Had a Baca, had... Um, had Pascal Siakam, Gasol, Gasol, Kawhi, just bully type of big also, people, man. Let's talk about uh, the year before that. Who won the t- Who won the title? The Warriors, the, yeah. right? Who do they have? They had Zaza Pachulia. They had Zavell McGee. They had, um, and then they had Kevin Durant, who was a seven footer and can guard bigs, right? You go throughout the, all that time. Big, I think. People get misconstrued when it comes to bigs because it's not like you 
you don't need a big from 1995. You need an evolved big. It's basketball. You need these positions, okay? And even in the li- life of like positionless basketball, that works in the that works in the regular season. In the postseason, you know what you need. Um, but what I want to do, let's, let's talk about the game a little bit. Um, what did you see from the Phoenix Suns? Because this series has evolved so much from game one to game six. What did you see in game six that that you didn't see in game in games one and two? Because it just seemed like they were a shell of themselves as the series wore on. Yeah, I think the effect of being the smaller team um, like started to have a cumulative like uh, uh, effect on on the Suns, if that makes sense. I know it was a lot of effects in there, but, but you know they were fresh early in the series. They're a team that works on movement, uh, player movement, ball movement. Um, they shoot a lot of jumpers. Um, and while those are going in, that's great. And when you're fresh, they tend to do that more often. But as the series wears on and you're playing every other night um, and you're and you're getting banged around by some of these bigger teams, um, especially when you've got a Drew Holiday that can go over there and put out a Chris Paul fire for a while, hop over there on D-Book and make his life hard. P.J. Tucker is a menace defensively. Like, that Milwaukee Bucks team is a hell of a defensive squad. And I think it started to kind of take its toll on the Suns. And the other part of the game that, Milwaukee really dialed into that I thought the Suns had the advantage in, at least in game one, was all the 50-50 loose ball, who does this mean more to type of plays. Right. And I'm not saying that Milwaukee won that over the course of the series every game, but they certainly didn't lose it like they lost it in game one. And so as soon as they got tuned into like, hey man, we can't let the Suns just pounce on every loose ball and get offensive rebounds and come in here and I think, you know, it, it just kind of wore on the Suns. Their ability to get easy baskets like they got in games one and two uh, started to dissipate, right? Like this, the, the Bucks were challenging everything. And a challenge by Drew Holiday, who's a 6'5 point guard, um, is a real challenge. Like it's affecting your vision as a shooter. That started to have an effect. There were some plays. I mean, I, I know I said... Drew Holiday's shooting percentage. Honestly, it didn't really matter. Like, uh, Drew was there to be to be a pest on both guards, and he did exactly that. There was a steal that he had on uh, D Book late in the game where it was just incredible. Where he, um, where where he knew where Book was going, beat him to the spot, and then got a strip into an easy layup. And then we saw in Game Five where he got the. Uh, where Drew got the, it was it looked like a hell ball, but he got the strip, the huge strip in Game Five. Um, I think the biggest thing that we saw uh, to that that changed the series, and you really saw it in Game Six, um, was I think the Bucks just figured out like, yo, we're all we have to do is just beat the shit out of this team. And it's not that the Suns aren't tough. I'm not saying that. It's that they just don't have depth, and they don't. They only have one real true big. And they, I think that they got. They're not big enough. And I think the Bucks finally realized that in the second half of Game Three. We're like, yo, we could beat the shit out of them. And once we put the gas on them and just put go down and go go to the cup and just be aggressive, we can overpower this team. And you saw that with the Aiden had five fouls um, and really was out of his rhythm in Game Six. When did you see that the series starting to shift? Game two. I told you game two. Game one, they were not tuned in to where their advantage was lying. Like the Bucks, that is. They they just were shooting jump shots. It was it was a pretty, if you will, quote unquote, pretty style of game. Like we're gonna play in all of this space. We're gonna try to outshoot you. That plays squarely into the Suns' hands. Like that's what that's what they needed to do to win this series. And they did it great in game one. I told you in game two. The Bucs had a different mindset. Like, they had put the hard hat on. The lunch pails were out. 
Phoenix just really, really shot it well. I don't, I don't remember now how many threes they had, but they, they shot it a, a, like at a super high clip, and Milwaukee wasn't over, able to overcome it. But in game two, I started to see them, you know, kind of change the momentum um, and and switch the physicality of the game to a to a to more in their favor style of play. Um, you saw that manifest itself, Logan, or at least I did in in Phoenix's what what looked to be like complaining to the officials all night long. Yeah. Like, you didn't see the Bucks complain at all. Is that a telltale sign when when you oh, see hell, that hell though? Yeah. Like you didn't okay, see the what Bucks, does that say? You didn't see the Bucks crying at all. Like they were that says like, yes, but I mean, we're getting the calls, but but you know, we're the more physical team out here. And referees are human. The more physical, more aggressive team usually gets away with more. It's just the way it goes because they can't call all of it, right? So if you come out of the blocks, you know, hitting, grabbing, pushing, shoving, attacking, you know, they, they might call one or two, but eventually they got to let some of that go. And if you're the team that's on your heels and you're not doing it early, and then you try to turn it on, like in the fourth quarter, the rest are like, oh shit, you ain't been that foul. So, yeah. you know, you saw the Suns, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, like there was a lot of like looking at the refs and wondering why we didn't get that foul. Like, oh my God, I just got hit. Oh, is that, and you know, that speaks to who was more aggressive in my opinion. Yeah. Um, one of the things, and you, I think it was game. It was game five when you texted us. I don't have a good feeling about this um, with the Suns when they were up. They were up big, and you were like, "I don't have a f- good feeling about this." They also took a brief lead in the second in the second quarter. They outscored the Bucks second quarter of Game Six, thirty-one uh, to thirteen. Did you still have that sense that like it wasn't good that the Suns weren't going to win this even when they had that lead, or were you like, "Oh, the Suns might make this a Game Seven? How did you feel during that time? So my range of a like I was sitting there. Um, my wife was sitting with me, and she looked Were at me. Did said, you have a cheering interest? Were you cheering for the Suns in this one? Yeah, I was. Were you just like so my, my whole my whole house was pulling for the Suns. You okay. know, my you know we were all sitting there like we love Phoenix. Um, but when 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 Milwaukee went up, my wife was like, "Oh, this is gonna be whack because we want to see good games too." Like right. she was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a blowout," and I said, "No, it's not. Like the Suns will be right back in it." And believe it or not, boom, the Suns were right back in the game. Now, I didn't have the same sense that I had that it was going to be bad for the Bucs. I thought the Suns could... What I didn't know was going to happen was what Giannis did in that third quarter. Yeah. It's what superstars have to do. When it's in doubt, it's what the Suns weren't able to do in, in, in the other game, which was that superstar stand up and say... I'm not letting us lose this. Don't worry. Generational superstars. Let's, uh, there's there's difference right here. There's levels. I'm going to put another no, level to the tier. There there's is. generational. Not, yeah. For sure. And I'm not throwing shade at anybody. I'm simply saying this is what Giannis did. And I couldn't account for it in the second quarter last night. I didn't know it was going to happen. He just literally said, hey, man, give me the ball. And I'm going to I'm gonna will us to this. And when, you, when, you, when you're a me, like a role player, and you see Giannis do that, Man, it takes a load off, bro. It does because you're able to like I'm comfortable in my own skin. Like he's doing what he's supposed to do and now it frees me up to do what I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? And so you know, that's what happened. Let's go to the other side of this. We talked about Giannis, but I do want to go to the other side of this and talk about um the Suns, particularly Chris Paul. Now Chris Paul had a hell of a game. Chris Paul 26 um 5 um, eight, 11 of 19, like he balled, he did what he had to do. And, but, but coming into the series, we were saying like, you know, this is, this is Chris Paul's probably last best shot 
or one of his last best shots. We don't know what the future holds. Shit, the Suns might go to the finals again. I doubt it, but like they might. Um, but you could see in the presser just how distraught he was. He wasn't saying, he wasn't giving like the normal, um, you know, thought, not thoughtful answer. But he wasn't giving a long, like long answers. He was giving more of like, you could tell he was very somber and disappointed. Is this the last shot for Chris, man? Like, I, I, I think it, I don't know, man. As a finals at this step, I think it might be. Well, it could be. Um, I think that depends on where Chris Paul winds up, Logan, if I'm keeping it yeah. a buck. Um, I don't, Phoenix Nation's probably not going to love to hear this, but I, I don't get aggregated. Yeah, I don't know that they'll be back in the finals next year. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that they won't, but if, if you made me pick today, there are probably other favorites in the Western Conference that I would that I would pick to go before them next year. And you know, the clock is ticking on what Chris Paul or op- opportunities that he would have left at that. You know, I think you saw a player last night who realized, man, that was. That was the opportunity, right? Like, and you're not going to get many of those. That was his first finals. You know, and Chris Paul has an appreciation because he's so, um, you know, he, he's been in the game so long for how hard it is to get there. I went to a finals in my first, I don't know, two months as an NBA player. When we lost that finals while it sucked, I thought I was going to go every year. Yeah. So, so you know, you're like, oh fuck it, we'll be back next year, and the year after that, and then you, you didn't get to go, you didn't go back at the after that, right? Thirteen like the years go by, to... and you ain't never been yeah. back to the finals again. But the yeah. perspective is what you saw in Chris Fall's face last night. It was like, damn dog, like I've never been here. We ha- we were up two zero. I'm however old I am, and that shit got away from us, and that had to be tough. Yo, I uh, we were watching this game, and uh, me and a couple of homies went to go watch the game in Oakland, and um, there was uh. We were at this like it's this place called Mad Oak. We were at this like this like bench seating, um, like picnic style seating. So we were sitting with the with another party, and um, you know you ask who who you want to win and things like that. And this lady, uh, she was so awesome. She we were like who you want to win? She's like Chris Paul, and they were like why? And she said because he hella old, and I don't, he ain't gonna get back to this point again. And <laughs> And I was like, I was like, hell yeah! <laughs> and then when when because the, we have people in our party who are who are Bucks fans, and she shout out to her man. I don't, I, I, but she uh, when when they were the people in our party were like cheering, she shot us a look and was like, and it, she was great, and then smiled her. She was great about it. But yo, man, that, that was a sentiment. Shout out to the to the to the homie and, and said like it is like. Chris is hella old, so and he's hella good, but he's just still like that. That's one of those things you would really, if say if he goes back, you have to really be careful for with him next year, right? You sign it, say if he stays with the with the Suns, that means low management. I said this in a previous thing in a previous episode. If he has to uh, score like 11, 12 points a game just to get him to the postseason, that's fine. Like it doesn't matter, but you have to really manage Chris Paul next year if he stays back. What do you if he comes back? What do you think about the Suns next year and their prospects? Do they? I know they're a playoff team, they're a fringe contender, but I don't know if they get back. What do you think about the Suns for next season? All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let me answer to because I found something you said really interesting there, and, and okay. it was the operative phrase was if right, and I'd like to touch on that. But let me answer your question first. Um, they are squarely in the conversation for for top four seed in the Western Conference next year. I got the Lakers, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think 
I mean, I don't know what Kawhi's health looks like, but I'm going to take, uh, you know, Denver's going to be loaded again. Jamal Murray will be back. Um, yeah. You know, Dallas, you know, Luka and them aren't going anywhere. They're only going to get better. He's Warriors fringe. The Warriors. I mean, so they're going to be in the mix. I just, if you made me pick them or the field, like I picked the field for going to the finals, right? In the Western Conference. Like I, I so I can't say that they're my favorite to go back. You're going to, I told you, if, if Chris goes back and let's get to the if in a second, you got to have, you know, either campaign or, or, you know, a really, really good can carry the mail type of backup PG because you do have to monitor him to some degree. Now, here's where I find it interesting and I'm interested to hear your, your, your take. If you're Chris Paul and you've said, Hey man, I have three more years, right? This is why I got, I got three more years of juice. And I just tasted the finals and I, I, it's finals or bust for me. Like that's, that's what I'm in it for. It's not about bread. I've, I'm, I don't know how many, much money he's earned a, a boatload, but do the Suns represent that? Mm. Right. That's what, I mean, I'm just asking, do that. I mean, I'm not saying they don't, I'm asking. I think that the, the Suns, they can, because finals they're so are young. bust, Logan finals are bust. This is what I'm saying. Logan Murdoch next year, you have your pick of the litter of places to go. And you you must get to the finals. Is it the Suns? This is okay. I think it could be. The reason why is because the Western Conference, there's so many question marks, right? The Lakers, can they stay healthy enough, man? Like, can LeBron and AD stay healthy enough? The Clippers out of there, they're not gonna be there because Kawhi's not gonna Kawhi's not playing. Um, can Dallas take the next step? Can the Nuggets be more than a can the Nuggets be more than a really good team? I don't know. Can they be more than can? Are the Warriors more than a friend? Can the Warriors just turn it on? Right? Uh, wh what's going to happen? There's so many question marks that I don't think that there's a definitive team where you're like, okay, if I go here, there, uh, uh, I'm going to go to the finals. Like, I don't know. I can't answer that. Um, so I would honestly, I think if the Suns retool, and maybe I'm in the minority on this, but if the Suns retool, get a backup, get a backup center. Like I said, I really like Dwight. If Dwight Howard comes on just to be a backup and just, I think he yeah. can play really well on that team. Um, if they could get that and then like secure campaign and say campaign just as like, yo, you are de our de facto starting regular season point guard, or you're the one that's going to get a, a lion's share of the minutes so we can get Chris Paul in. I think they have a chance, Raj, as good as a chance as anyone to get back to the finals. Okay. I, look, I hope they do. I'm, I'm just, I'm, Damn, I am not the only it was, one that's going to be I, welcome back in Phoenix, man. Is that what we nah, say right now? I'm not, I'm not, I didn't throw no shade at Phoenix. Like I think, I, I, I think they're gonna be a really good team. They, they're going to be a really good team next year. Um, you're going to have some hungry teams out in the West and some teams that are coming back retooled and reloaded. And I'm, I'm simply yeah. saying, I imagine that Chris Paul is going to wind up in Phoenix. Like I, I have no reason to believe that, but we're on here for fucking entertainment's sake. And so my question is like, if you're putting a gun to somebody's head and saying, Hey, throw nostalgia out the window, throw like good feelings and, and vibes out the window. Like what represents your best chance to get where you want to go next year? Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I hear you. I'm not saying that I'm not giving you any different scenario. I just think that's an interesting question, right? Because we were talking about whether the Suns bring him back. They kind of have to. I think they have to. Yeah, but yeah, what I, the I flip side of that is, is that where you're going back? I, I, I don't know. I think so. And I think that they are contenders with that. Uh, Bucks, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't Bro, know. Wait a minute. Hold the fuck up. You go okay. tell. Wait. You're going to say to me. 
You're going to say to me on air with motherfuckers listening, because now I'm all in my bag. I have, I have SEC and all of that shit. You're going to say to me that the Suns are, are finals contenders, and then in the next breath say Milwaukee, the team that just beat them, I don't know. But you better hide your damn face on that, man. <laughs> with the best, possibly the best player in the planet. On the you're planet, right. excuse you're right. me. You're I'm right. all you're you, right. You hey, messed hey, me up with that. You're right. You're right. I, I I was trying. You know how you was just trying to bring up bullshit with the CP thing. You know how you was trying to just bring up bullshit. <laughs> like maybe you might leave. Maybe you might leave. I was just you know I was just ruffling the feathers, man. I'm sorry. Yo, they'll be back. They might repeat. Fuck. I'm sorry. Okay. I was just trying to be a what they. What, I don't know what it is. What they say. I don't know, man. I was just trying to be an asshole. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Speaking of Milwaukee, let's take a quick break. We're going to go talk to Mirren Fader about Giannis has come up. This is a really, really dope conversation. Check that out. And we are back. Roger Bell here. Logan Murdoch here. We have a special guest in the building, Raja. Um, the author of the forthcoming book, Giannis, The Improbable Run of an NBA MVP. We got Mirren Fader in the motherfucking building. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm chilling, man. I'm, have you I'm, ever I'm been? In. Have you ever been introed like that, Marin? I was going to say. Ever? I was going to say, like, I need you to just be with me everywhere, Logan, so we could just mm. introduce me like that because nobody has ever said it like that. We locked in. <laughs> I know you did another podcast that we're not going to speak on right now, but I bet they didn't introduce you like this. Mm. You know they didn't. Mm. Raja, I wanted to get her on because she, I, I believe that she is about, about to release the definitive book on Giannis Adetokounmpo. Um, and I wanted to get her on the, the morning after he wins his first title because she just dropped an excerpt, Raja, um, on TheRinger.com, which you guys can all check out. Um, basically, uh, there's a part in there where it talks about um, his something that I know is near and dear to your heart, Raja, the Batman and Robin argument. And there is a part in there where someone says, Raja, hold tight because I know you're going to be fuming when you hear this anecdote. Um, when he was younger, when he, when he was getting into the league, I think they were pairing him with a, a younger star that was Brandon Knight. And he, and somebody suggested that they could be the Batman and Robin together and that Giannis would be the bat, would be the Robin to Brandon Knight's Batman. Um, that was a thing that happened. And and uh, Giannis said, well, what the... F and no, and, and just paraphrasing here, he said, what the fuck? What? I am, I'm, I'm about to be Batman here. Where? How do you feel about hearing that, Raja? And then I'm going to go to Miriam to see where that comes from. Do you, do you feel him on that, Ra? Well, first of all, let's just take a step back. When he's coming into the league, um, I think that could be fair to say that because no one yeah. really knew and he didn't look the way he looks now and his game wasn't as well-rounded as it was. So I, I will forgive whoever said that at the time. I fully understand where Giannis was coming from. Like that's why he is who he is. I don't, don't paint me into a corner or put me into a box. Don't label it. Like my ceiling is whatever I say it is. That approach is what's allowing him to continue to prove naysayers wrong, you know, time after time. So like, I'm going to forgive that one, Logan, anyone who says it now, I've already done this on a pod. I've ranted and I've mm -hmm. raved. Don't I don't yeah. want to hear that. But at you're the starting time, to sweat now. You're there's a little forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I, I want to go to you, Mirren. On top of that, is we you talk about in your excerpt, which you can read on theringer.com right now, about his legendary work ethic. Do you think that when that comment was made, him saying 
no, I'm, I'm going to be Batman. Do you feel like that has more to do with, man, I worked for this. I wanted this. And this is where I'm going to, um, this is, this is what I belong at, at in this status because I worked for it. Do you think that that had a played a part or was there more to it than that? I mean, it played a big part. First of all, like not only did he work his ass off during a 15 win season, he literally, uh, was the only one who came in and gave flashes of, of something, you know, like that was a horrible team. He came in there and he had energy. He had defense. He at times looked like the best player that they had, but compared to, you know, where he is now, as Raja said, he was nowhere near close, but he always had this confidence like, okay, I know my body's not there yet. I know I literally look like a toothpick, but I believe in myself. Um, and he, he would tell people like, oh, I'm going to be good next year. Oh, I'm going to average, I'm going to average 15 and 10. And you could look at that and you could say arrogance, or you could say that's somebody that's being very intentional about who he is and what he wants because he knows he works. Um, he would be in the gym until like 1am, just very early in the morning. He knew what he was capable of. Even if he hadn't reached it yet, he was going to get there. I, uh, real quick story, Logan, I don't mean to hijack it. I know you want, you have more good. questions, but I've, I've touched on this before. When I spent that first year in Cleveland, my job was to walk around pregame you know, talk to people on other teams, get a feel for their players and whatever they would divulge, you know, that kind of goes into the file. So I was chopping up with my buddy, Robert Hackett at the time. Rob Hackett had been the strength and conditioning coach in Dallas when I was with the Mavs and he was with Milwaukee at the time. And I asked him about Giannis, who was like all of, I don't know, 207 pounds at the time, just gangly and long. And he told me, he said, look, man, this kid is going to be something special. He says, and he's been around Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Finley, like really, really good players. You he said, he, he said, yeah, well, I mean, I was a hard worker too, but he said, yep. this kid works like very few people work. Uh, and, I, you know, I asked him a few questions and he said, dude, he's in the gym, you know, when no one else is there, like he is addicted to the work. And I asked him, I said, is he a good kid? Is he humble? Like, is his head down? He said, Ra, he's got everything it takes to be a superstar in this league. And this was prior to him really, you know, becoming the Giannis that we know now. So people around him knew that. So it's interesting to hear Mirren like actually, you know, have the background and, and get do the homework to find those stories because I had one, you know, similarly back in the day. Well, and here's the thing, Robert Hackett, first of all, great guy, loved talking to him. He said that when Giannis came there, he didn't even know how to weightlift. Robert Hackett is teaching an NBA player to weightlift for the first time. That's insane. And he That's was saying deep. the bar, the bar would just tremble. But Giannis was like, we're, we're going to stay till I get it right. We're going to stay. And he became obsessed. You know, any other person might feel ashamed. Like I'm so behind. Giannis was like, no, teach me. I want to learn. Um, there was no ego. You could mold him because he was a great listener. Yeah. That's great. I, I, uh, that actually transitions well into my next question because, Last night um, in the press conference, he says, eight years ago when I came into the league, I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. My mom was still selling stuff in the street. Now I'm sitting here at the top of the top. When you were reporting out this, this book, how much, of his, how much of his background being, um, you know, coming to a new country and coming to these new places, how much did that shape how his work ethic was? Because in a lot of ways, when you read his story, there was no going back. There was, I ain't going, I, I can't go back. I am going to figure this out. 
And he has a whole family to, to take care of. And you see, the as soon as uh, he won the title, he went to he went and he searched out his family last night. What? How much of his um, beginning shaped where he is right now and that work ethic that where I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep doing this. We're going to figure it out. I mean, it shaped everything. You know, first of all, Giannis began playing basketball at age 13, but he didn't actually like really start playing regularly until age 16 because he had to go sell with his family. So I think a lot of people don't realize that is like he is still so young in his basketball days because he spent so much time working off the floor. He would have to leave for like two weeks at a time. His family would travel to these upscale beaches to sell things. And, you know, basketball was just an afterthought. He's like, why would I put into this when I have so many pressing concerns outside of basketball. So you look at that and you're like, if I literally don't sell these items, we're not eating tonight. Or looking at your dad, you know, his dad, Charles, will go without for two days if it meant that Giannis and his brothers would eat. So, you know, basketball, um, the work ethic that you see, it is informed by every single thing that happens off the floor. You know, and Giannis would pretend that he had eaten so that he could give his portion to his brothers. So... That's a different type of work ethic and survival tactic that he learned so young. And so when you look at what we just talked about, like, man, I'm not as strong as the people in the league, man, like Zach Randolph is, is, is having his way with me. Okay. But I know what it's like to not have a meal. So it doesn't <laughs> compare as far as like the work ethic required and, and what, what difficult really is. Yeah, hunger, hunger is, uh, it's a true motivator, right? Like when you mm-hmm. you you want something. I want to I want to ask you. I have a lot of questions I'd like to ask, but I mean, let me start here. Um, in his earlier days, when he was the guy struggling to lift the bar, um, there's perspective clearly from, from where he comes from and understanding that this is still a great opportunity. But was there ever? It didn't click right away. Was there ever any pressure? Um, that almost derailed it from from a family feeding standpoint. From a, I've got a lot of people depending on me to get this done. Does he? Did he ever talk about that? Yeah, he felt a lot of pressure because even though Thanasis was the oldest, even though obviously his dad was still alive, then Giannis became the breadwinner. So he was the man now. Everything that happened went through him. Bills paid through him. Everything through him. There was one staffer I talked to that uh, randomly went to Giannis's apartment to pick him up, and he sees a bunch of envelopes in a suitcase, and he's like, what are you doing with all these envelopes? And they're filled with money. And that's, that's his per diem for every day. And the guy was like, why, why do you have all these? And Giannis is like, Oh, I'm not spending them. Like they're for my family. And so, you know, you look at a guy who's like sole purpose, like tunnel vision is like, I have to perform because I have to feed my family. One of the most uh, probably intense anecdotes that I found during my reporting and, and this subject matter is that Giannis was the only player on the Bucks to not set up direct deposit because he had to feel the money in his hands and send it manually because he couldn't trust it. So, just, you, you know, so <laughs> relatable, but like, you know, I just, I feel like it's just, the pressure that was on him was so much more than like, can you morph into a two-way player that is dominant? It was just like, how can I take care of my family? And keep in mind, they weren't able to come to America until midway through the season. So, you know, a big part of the book was Giannis's just true feelings of loneliness and feeling lost because his parents got denied visas twice. So, you know, had the Bucks not had a Senator owner in Herb Cole, I don't know if the family would have came there and I don't know if Giannis would have stayed. 
What were the uh, what were the uh, difficulties for them to get that visa? Or, or was, why didn't they? Why do they need a, something that drastic for them to get to America? So in Greece, even if you're born there, you don't get birthright citizenship. So even though Giannis and Thanasis got their citizenship right at the last moment, like two months before Giannis was drafted, because the Greek government realized that he was going to be in the NBA and Thanasis potentially could as well. But they didn't give it to his mom, Veronica. They didn't give it to his dad, Charles. They didn't give it to Alex or Kostas, the other brothers. So again, they're only giving it to them because they think that they can make Greece look good and he could be in the NBA and be a star. So the family is still undocumented. Um, and so wow. they're filling out so much paperwork. Like Alex, the youngest brother, was telling me, we just be filling out paperwork over and over. And the way that Greece uh, works is just, it is so hard for, for black migrants, even those that like we're born in Greece and therefore should have citizenship like we do in America, they'll, they'll, they'll take you to the, um, the place to get papers. And then they'll be like, Oh, you don't have this document. They'll come back. Oh, you don't have this document. You know, it's just an insanely difficult process. And so the family got denied their visas twice. And, you know, one of the biggest reveals in the book, um, I think is that Giannis told his brothers and his agents, if you guys can't come here, I'm going back to Greece. Um, so imagine if they didn't get citizenship, like, Greek freak would not be a thing. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like you know there's a there's a complicated relationship with with Giannis and and Greece, and I'm sure that you're gonna uh, touch on that in the book. Uh, just moving along real quick, you guys should read our book when it comes out. What's the date on that, Mary? August tenth. August tenth. Go check that out. Uh, but there was also an excerpt, something in the excerpt that I really did find interesting. Uh, she put out on the Ringer.com that you guys need to go check out. Um, but. Uh, his relationship with Jason Kidd, and um, th- which was which is really interesting to me because, um, and it's kind of pertinent because he is now a, a head coach again. But a lot of people are divided on Jason Kidd, the head coach, right, and also divided by extension, Jason Kidd, the the man and the person, um, for all the reasons that are already out there. Um, but why did his methods against his mind games that he would play with players. I think there was one anecdote you put out where he, he, did he suspend someone? He suspended a Don maker or reprimanded Don maker because he didn't have an iPhone and that was messing up the flow and it did not make him a good teammate because he was the one that was messing up the team group chat. That's one thing. That's one thing that happened, but to paint that picture, with that being said, he was very hard, hard and manipulative towards his players in Milwaukee. What made that effective for Giannis? So Jason Kidd did not treat Giannis in the same way he went at other players. So um, if he's, you know, berating one guy, he's not berating Giannis, but he did want Giannis to speak up. And Giannis is that guy in the back of the class that's like, please don't call on me, please don't call on me, please don't call on me. And Kid was like, I'm calling on you. And so he would make Giannis speak up in the film room and just say, like, what what were you thinking here? What were you doing? And it's humiliating to get called out like that. It's almost like a college thing, you know, and like running sprints. It's almost like being in college again, you know. Um, so Jason was able to get the best out of Giannis because he treated him a bit differently. But he also challenged him. I mean, he sat Giannis because Giannis was not bringing the intensity he needed in a practice. Again, I don't, you know, Raja, you he can speak on this. He sat him for a game. Yes. Raja, you can speak on this more than I can. That is... To do that to one of your best players in the NBA is is something, right? Yeah, that's a rare, I would say that's a rare thing. 
that's a rare thing. So, you know, but Jason was just so, um, it would be easy if Jason was a loud yeller, right? If he just tries to like tear your heart out, but he wasn't like that. It was so much more manipulative. And, you know, as much as, uh, anecdotes are that there are in this chapter, there are so many that were just completely off the record that people were like, I'm afraid I don't want you to put this because I don't want it to look like it's coming from me. So like just very, very divisive person. But I will say he put the ball in Giannis's hands and he said, I think you can be point guard. Nobody can stop you downhill. Go to the basket. Um, I think he was instrumental in Giannis's development. I think Giannis would have excelled no matter who was coach. But I do give Jason credit for all his good and bad for believing in Giannis and, and believing that he had that potential. I mean, I, I don't know if Giannis has ever addressed this. I mean, clearly, there are different motivating factors for different people. Um, you know, Giannis, family securities first and foremost. But now, you know, that's happened and you're multiple-time MVP and you got the bag secured. Um, motivation now, clearly, um, championships are one of them, but... Does Giannis, I mean, he does a great job at press conferences. Like he he really does for a guy who, who there can be a bit of a language barrier at times. Like, you know, he is phenomenal in expressing himself and keeping humble and, and just really self-deprecating in some of those interviews. Is he on a quest to be like, does he ever acknowledge he wants to be one of the greatest of all times? Like, I don't know if he's ever said that publicly. Is that something that he, that he quests to do? Like, is, is that on his mind? It is, but I think, um, his goal is bigger than that. I, it was Costas who told me like one of the main things we want as a family is to all do it together on one team. And he's like, we don't really talk about that often, but that's a dream that we have. So I think, although yes, Giannis wants to be one of the greatest ever do it. It's his goals are more about his brothers and wants them to succeed. Um, one quote that really stood out to me in my research on this topic was uh, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And Giannis was telling them this was like two years ago, maybe three years ago. Um, Giannis was saying that like, uh, everyone around me is telling me I could be the face of the league. Um, but then I hear things like, I don't have enough American swagger or, you know, I can't be the face of the league because I don't talk like an American. I still have my accent. I still, I'm this way. I'm different. Um, but then he said, if I can't be the face of the league, then being, if I'm not myself, then I don't want to be the face of the league. And I, I thought that was such a profound quote. Um, because to me, it's like, yeah, you want to be one of the greats, but you also want to be yourself. Um, and he's maintained that authenticity. And, and what he's found is that you can be great and still be yourself. He's just very different. He's not into social media. He doesn't care about making a fashion statement in the tunnel. Um, I think he very much just like also just wants to do this exactly as himself. There was a quote last night from him about super teams and, his importance of uh, the importance to him of trying to win it in Milwaukee. And me and you talked about this about, I think about a year ago when, uh, when I found out you were doing a book and you told me, and we obviously the question was, is Giannis going to leave? Is he going to go anywhere? Is he going to go to the Warriors? Is he going to go to the Heat? Is he going to go to the Raptors? Like, what is he going to, where is he going to go? And you said, I think he's going to, you said, I think he's going to, um, stay put. Um, why did you, it makes sense now, but why is his loyalty to Milwaukee so deep? And do you think that he finishes his career out there? The loyalty is so deep because this is a franchise that he believes took a risk by drafting him. Like he was the gamble. Um, this is an organization that treated him almost like a son. 
They gave every family member a key to the gym. I mean, there's one staffer I talked to when the parents' car broke down, the staffer came and jump-started the car. <laughs> this is an organization that taught him how to drive, um, taught him how to have proper nutrition, um, called him every night, texted him, are you okay? Like, this is just a different level of, of loyalty. You know, they were there for him in his darkest moments when he wasn't Giannis, when he was somebody that nobody thought would be anything. So when we talk about loyalty, it's not just how much Giannis loves Milwaukee. It's how much Milwaukee has loved Giannis. Um, there was a Twitter account called Greek Freak Alert 25, uh, his rookie year. And they would tweet when he just subbed in. They just like Giannis is in, oh my God, you know, it's just the cutest thing. And so it's like, they just loved him when he wasn't even dominant. So he doesn't forget little things like that. He, he doesn't forget the name of the guy that taped his knees, you know, uh, his second year. He's just like, I want that guy. He, he, he has it by name. So when I think of all these anecdotes, I'm like, yeah, it makes so much sense to me that he would want to repay the people that uh, believed in him. And uh, do I think he's going to stay? I don't know. I hate reporters that pretend they're clairvoyant. I don't know. But I know that um, it is hard to understate how just unfathomable this is. I mean, I went to Milwaukee right before um, the world shut down and I asked Giannis, um, when you were winning 15 games in that polar vortex season in 2013 to 14, did you ever think that you would be a playoff franchise like this? And he was just like, no, you know, like absolutely not. So, you know, I'm just like, you had to remember like the Bucks almost left the city of Milwaukee. They literally almost left Milwaukee. Giannis saved the franchise from leaving. So why would he leave? Yeah, that's real. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I just got back from Milwaukee and I'm very happy for that city. You could just tell how much they love uh, him and how much he loves the city. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Miriam. Um, make sure you guys go pick up her book on Amazon. I'm waiting for my copy right now. Um, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. We got to have you on again, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, my God. I'd love to. Thank you guys for having me. Great conversation with Miriam. Um, I want to get into, I want to just be real messy right now, Roger. Let's get into way too early predictions. We have no context. We don't even know what's going to happen. Wow. The free agency hasn't happened. The draft hasn't even happened. Um, let's go into next year. Who is your next year's MVP? Right to way too early. We don't even know what's going to happen. What, who's going to wow. win the MVP next year? Way too wow. early. Wow. Just firing shots. Um, Luka Doncic. Mm. Yeah, Luka Luka, I'm going with the Luca magic, man. I don't, I don't know why. I've just been knocking on the door a couple years now. I mean, the usual suspects are going to be there. I'm just going to say Luca. I'm going to get some shit right now, and I'm going to say Kevin Durant is going to be the MVP next year. I think he's going to be the MVP, and that's probably yeah, no, you know, that's I think that's going to happen. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. That's cool. Um, who's your finals matchup next year, man? Yeah, that's that's yeah, man. We don't have to have free agency. I'm just being man. real mad. This is way too early. We don't even know what's there. You know, trades happen right now. So I'm gonna take uh, the Lakers. Okay. Um, you're not gonna let me throw any caveats in this, right? Like, there's not gonna be if 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 this was a fifth type of conversation. Like, I don't get to say if if sure, he's healthy it, and all it, that. Whatever. Fuck it. Fuck it. I mean, this is this is this is a vacuum. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's healthy. All right. LeBron is healthy. AD is healthy. Then I take the Lakers. Um, I want to say, I want to say 
the Bucks, but I gotta say Brooklyn if everybody's healthy. So I'm um, Lakers, Brooklyn. How's that so? That's corny as shit. I should not do that. No, fuck it. Brooklyn, yeah. uh, uh, the Bucks and the Lakers. You know what I'm about to do? I'm gonna say Warriors, Nets, because I'm Whoa. just saying fuck it. Warriors, Nets, All finals right, next year. If only because I just want to be at home and then go to Brooklyn. I just want to go back and forth. It's just it's very selfish. It's fine. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, Warriors, Nets. Let's get it. Um, who is the out of that, who is the champion? Who's your champion next year? That's hungry. That's hungry. Um, that's that's a crown. There's a there's a crown at stake there, sir. Mm. There there is. There's a crown at stake in the series that I propose. Um, because that's basically. I mean, we already know LeBron's not the best player in the league anymore. I'm sorry, um, but it would be. I mean, he could be next year. I mean, you know, he even even there's he, a he, there's a crown there's a, at stake. But but Giannis could take that motherfucker in the finals. Just be like. Thank you. I'll take this. This is my this is my league now. I'll take it. I made it a point not to bet against LeBron, but I'm gonna bet against LeBron, LeBron right now. Bucks back to back. Yeah, because I, I, it's not happening. Like it's not. But I like I like yeah. You give me you say Giannis or AD Giannis. to me, bro. You already know where I'm at. I know. I know. So because I proposed the Bucks and the Lakers, I'm gonna say the Bucks. Mm, I'm gonna go with the Nets then because I think they beat the. Warriors pretty handily. It's not even close. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> well, there we go. On that on that note, we have a special, 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 special segment. Our last of the year. I don't know where he was. We just found him. He hasn't been on the show for a long time, and um, I don't know if he. I don't know what's going on, but he made a special appearance. We got Jomi, our CMO, is back. He has the Nigerian flag behind him. It's time, baby, for Pack Watch. Jomi, you have a minute to put the Suns on Pack Watch. Fuck Raja Bell's feelings. We need to get this <laughs> off. What do you feel? What do you have to say about the Phoenix Suns on their way out? Well, here's the thing about the Phoenix Suns. I want to say, I want to give my sincere congratulations to them. Monty Williams, Devin Booker. DeAndre Aiden, they played hard, they fought hard, but it just wasn't their time. So I honestly f would feel bad to pack them up. However, I will send a pack to American basketball. Woo! It's Nigeria's time. You see in the Olympics, the trials, Nigeria came and beat America. Now, a Nigerian is the finals MVP. Let's go. Ashay, she did you better. be better. Nigeria is coming for you all. America mm. is not your sport anymore. It's Nigeria sports. Ah. And we will see you at the Olympics. Listen, listen. If Nigeria wins gold at the Olympics, don't. This, I'm hosting the show that week. I'm hosting the show. Don't let it happen. By yourself. No, by myself. I got the hey, energy. Hey, Sasha, 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 Sasha. Flex bombs right now. Flex bombs. Uh, uh. Dude, that's cold. That's cold by bars. You know nothing about that. But in all seriousness, it's really ha I'm really happy to see Giannis at the top. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Last year in the playoffs, I was I was throwing my jokes out there. You know, I hadn't I had an agenda. You know, he beat LeBron for the MVP. He beat Anthony Davis for the DPOY. You know what I'm saying? I was mad. But you see where he's come from, his background, just how nice a guy is. 
And to see him at the top is just, it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful seeing if you, you can't hate on that. And it's honestly really, I'm I, really happy to see him at the top. Thank you, Jomi. You're sweating oh. right now, so you put in a great oh. performance. Good job. Good job, man. Now well to Rowan of the Week. I'm going to start this off, man. It's going to just be a theme of this. I'm going to go Giannis Rowan of the Week. Rowan of the season, Giannis. I'm going to go with him. Nothing further. We've talked about him a lot during this thing. Rowan of the Week. Rowan of the, the season, Giannis Adetokounmpo. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't this know. This might Where be do you one you can double there. down just, on, honestly. I just you double, can double down, down on that, but you know what? I'm going to go real one of the week, Milwaukee. Like, like this, the, the city. city, Wisconsin. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, keeping the Bucks in town, making Jeez, sure you curves. lock down. Yeah. Holding down the Greek freak. Now, you just need to lock down A.A. Ron. You get A.A. Mm. Ron back in the building, you might have two championships in the 2021 mm. season. Shout Let's out to go. Milwaukee, real ones. Shout uh, out Wisconsin. to Milwaukee. Thanks to everybody. Shout out to everybody. Thanks for everybody throughout the season, man. Real bout of applause. Shout out to everybody. Put the put the put the clap track on. It's been a pleasure, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks to all the real ones out there. You guys have been great. Thank you, guys. You guys show love on the street when I see you, man. Shout out to everybody. Real one, Sasha Mack, for holding it down. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to the peeps. Make sure that you check out our whole on the Ringer NBA. Make sure you follow along everywhere. Make sure you check out Real Ones Mondays. Make sure you check out The Answer. Make sure you check out Group Chat. Make sure you check out Mismatch. Make sure that you check out R2C2 with who? Raja Bell. Vallejo legend, a.k.a. the Crestside Clown, CC Sabathia. Mm, make sure you check out Black Girl Songbook with who? Raja. That's the homegirl, the homegirl, the homegirl town legend, Danielle Smith. Make sure you check out Bakari Sellers podcast. I've been enjoying that a lot. Make sure you check out the Press Box. I really like that podcast, man. Shout out to them, man. The Press Box is really good. Make sure you check out Ringerverse with Jomi, who was on there along with Mal and all the whole gang. Make sure you check out uh, uh, Charles Holmes on the Ringer Music Show. You can listen to me talk about Space Jam. Um, You can also, everywhere, all the pods on the Ringer NBA feed. We will see you guys on Monday. Thank you for everything. Bye!